0: Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, uh, as we kind of get into this next section, probably won't finish the chapter this morning, but as we get into this next section, he's going to address the issues of our minds, uh, our thoughts, kind of the intents of our hearts. Uh, As Paul addresses that, he wants us to understand how our thoughts, listen, dictate our actions. Would you agree with that? How we think will be how we act. So if we think correctly, we will act correctly. If we think incorrectly, we will act incorrectly. And as believers, we believe in the truth. We believe in the truth of God's word. We believe in the truth of of Jesus Christ, the savior. And therefore we have this right thought and correct thought so we should live correctly. But sometimes we have these thoughts that are not correct. Sometimes we believe things that are not true and those thoughts affect our behavior and paul wants us to understand let us think and let us have what we paul calls the mind of christ right to think like christ to think godly to think holy to think pure so our thoughts dictate our actions if you desire to please god and i would imagine if you're here you do desire to please god If you do, then your thoughts must be centered around God's will for your life. Last week, we talked about gifts that God gives. And we talked about how God gives everyone a gift. Whatever it may be, God has gifted you in some way. God has made you and created you for an impact in the body of Christ. We learned how if we all use our gifts, we will what? We'll edify the body, lift up the church. We'll encourage one another. So, we're, we were encouraged last week to use our gift. And so, as we think about that, we got to make sure that that gift is being used effectively. And the only way we can effectively use our gift is if we understand God and we think about God and we understand God's will. You must know what He wants in order to use your gift to be most effective. So, Paul will move on to our thought process. Well, ultimately, That dictates, again, as I said, our actions. And both our thoughts and our actions must be focused on God. This morning, we spent time worshiping the creator. I loved how Abby put that, worshiping our creator. This is what we get to do. And I want to encourage all of us this morning that our time of worship is not just something we do to get out of the way so that we can study the word of God. Our worship of God means we're so grateful to God. We're so in love with God. We're so uh, uh, anticipatory of what he wants to do in our lives that we actually lift our hearts to him. Lord, thank you. Those songs that we sang are prayers of our hearts. They should be. And we come to this place where we can pour those things out and listen, God knows the garbage that's in, this, that's in us. God knows the mistakes that we've made. God knows all those things, but we can still worship him even in the midst of those difficulties. And so it's like David, he beats his chest and soul, you will worship the Lord. Because sometimes you don't feel like it, right? But isn't it important to worship God? Isn't it important to, 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 to kind of force ourselves to get our focus on him? My problems and your problems get a lot smaller when we focus on the greatness and the bigness of God. Is bigness a word? I made it, there we go. As, as, as James Melandro says, if you don't know how to say a word several different ways, you're, you're not smart enough. Bigness of God. How big is your God? Okay. If he's so big, then your problems are so small. But they, they they do still affect us, do they not? Our problems affect us. They affect the way we think. They affect the way we act. They affect, affect our emotions, you know, and the things that we think about and the things that when the thought comes in, we're like, oh, Lord, I gotta think about it. But then when we think, God, I'm gonna give this to you. And you're strong enough to take it, God. That helps us in our lives. Today's message I've entitled the gift of a renewed mind. We talked about gifts last week. This week, Paul, after talking about those gifts, he wants us to think about our minds, the way we think. And it's this renewed mind. It's this changing our thoughts because the enemy wants us to believe what? You're worthless. You don't deserve it. And I agree with him there. We don't deserve it. But God wants to give it to us, so why don't we take it? So the gift of a renewed mind. We will look at three different changes that God has made in our lives to help us think properly. Because we live in a world that does not think like we think. We live in a world that thinks completely the opposite. And they are not thinking about truth. They're thinking about lies and the enemy has them in bondage. So let's look at our first change. And that first change is our direction. Look with me at verse 17. Paul says, this I say, therefore, because of the gifts, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, pause right there. And I said, God changes your direction when you acknowledge he is God. And here the apostle Paul in his infinite wisdom and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit basically says the church don't walk like the world walks. Don't walk like the world walks. Don't look like the world looks. And there's a lot of conversations that we can have as believers, things we shouldn't do, things we should do, how we should act, how we shouldn't act, but we should certainly look a lot different than the world, don't you agree? And it's unfortunate that over the years, the church has become a lot more like the world. And some of the churches accept the things of the world, even when it goes contrary to the word of God. So it's for us as true believers that believe in it to stand for what's right and to not look like the world. No, we don't want us people to go, that's a Christian and they do that, that's a Christian and they watch that, that's a Christian and they act that way. That's no different than my heathen neighbor that acts. Well, we should be different. So I think it's important that we understand our direction changes, our walk changes when we understand the truth of who God is and what he wants for our lives and the gifts that he's given us to be used for him. How is your walk? Where are you walking? What's the direction you're going in? Are you being drawn towards God or are you being drawn towards the flesh or the world or whatever else? Because the closer you get to God and the more you understand how holy he is and how unholy you are, the more you understand how much you need him right so getting closer to God doesn't discourage us in other than the sense like oh I've got work to do but the closer we get to God the closer we get to his holiness guess what his holiness runs off on us we grow in the Lord we mature in the things of God so that's what we have to understand Paul is saying here that this is not the direction that Christians should walk like the world walks like the he calls them the Gentiles That's basically saying the world outside of Christ, unbelievers, if you will. It's our job to minister to unbelievers, but it's not our job to look like them, to try to get them to accept us. No, we need to be different. We need to be so different that they long for the things that we enjoy. Wouldn't that be amazing? If the church was so blessed, if the church was so overwhelmed with the goodness of God, the presence of God, the changes that God has done with us, that the world will look on and go, I want that. As I was growing up, I had no religious background. Uh, The only church I ever attended was on my walk to school when it was in the winter and I got to walk through the church because it was warm for about two minutes. It's the only time I went to church So I was not brought up in a Christian home. But I did know Christians, and they were different. And for for many years, I was like, what is with these? Christians, they they act differently. They're just different than everybody else. They are, you know, some would say we're goody two-shoes. Is that a bad thing? It shouldn't be. If we're truly honoring God, then call me a goody (laughs) two-shoes. What is a weird knit, goody two-shoes? Anyway, I'll have to look that up. To truly live for God. See, the world is living hopeless. Notice he says in verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. No longer walk. (laughs) Anybody used to walk like a Gentile? Anybody used to walk like in the world? Sure, many of us in this room didn't weren't born believers you know didn't grow up in a Christian home we had to come to faith later in life and I've said this before when I got saved at 26 very quickly early in the first year I apologized to the Lord that I wasted 26 years apart from him Lord sorry and God said I was with you every step of the way every step I was there I have literally looking back i've seen god's hands on hand on my life protecting me from dumb things that i've ever done anybody else <laughs> yeah he didn't even know god and he still protected us and, and so paul's saying listen you no longer walk as the gentiles walk you don't do it anymore in fact he goes on he says don't walk as the rest of the gentiles walk in the futility of their mind hopelessness emptiness having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. As believers, when you read that, being alienated from the life of God, think about life, now that you've lived with God, think about your life without God. What a hopeless existence. No hope, no excitement. I can remember when I was growing up, I was like, you live, you die, it's over. Sad. (laughs) So it was, it was basically, do the best you can here because there's nothing else. But once you know there's something else after this life, don't you want it in relationship to God? I say this a lot. The world out there is enjoying its freedom, and this is the only freedom they have. Our true freedom is when we get to heaven, right? Truly. Truly. When all of this stuff is gone, when all of this is over, they're, they're so blinded. Our eyes have been opened and it's our opportunity to walk in a direction that should be appealing to people. So where in your life are you seeing God use you to show others of his goodness? I like to think of myself as a living business card for the Lord. When, he looks, when people look at me I want them to see Jesus. I want them to see someone who is trying to live for God. No, they had no hope. And, and all their hope was in the things of the world. <laughs> Imagine that. Things of the world. The psalmist put it this way. He says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. What a, what a, what a heart that is to truly say, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Fill in the blank here, guys. The things that we look at that are worthless, right? Amazon will never satisfy like spending time with the Lord. Worthless things. Fill in the blank. What is it for you? Is it money? There's some worth there, but it's not eternal worth. And, and the psalmist is just saying, please, Lord, help me not to look at things maybe that other people have. Help me not to look at things that I am striving for, that I think will give me satisfaction, that I think will answer all my questions. No, only truly having the peace of God in your heart is it truly a worth, worthwhile thing peace being at peace with God so everything else is striving Uh, turn away my eyes from looking at where things change my direction he's basically saying give me life through your way change the way we walk change me Lord this is what God does other translations have this uh, revive me in your way Uh, revive me with your word preserve my life according to your word give me life through your word His way is his word. So you want to know the way of the Lord? Know his word. Read the word. Read the the scriptures. Understand what they say. There is no greater value than spending time in the word of God. I believe every believer should have at least one favorite verse. We call it our life verse. The verse that just speaks to our hearts, that gets us through thick and thin, that gets us through those difficult times in our lives because it's his word that will revive us. In those times of our greatest need, hopefully the scriptures come alive in our hearts and in our minds, that it comes to us. So are there areas of your life where you've lost hope? Are there areas of your life where you need to be revived? Areas of your life where you need to stop looking at worthless things? I think that would be a good place for us to start. Lord, where am I looking to find peace that only you can give truly you see once you begin to lose hope that's when you begin to start doing things in your own strength see God doesn't do things fast enough for us does he anybody oh when I ask God answers me right away thank you (laughs) said no one No, usually God's like, well, let's talk about it, or maybe I'm gonna have to have you wait for that. So we gotta understand that sometimes God doesn't act fast enough so that we start to do it in our own strength, right? Boy, do we mess it up, don't we? So I encourage all of us that when we get to that place where God doesn't seem to be moving and we wanna do it in our own strength, that we truly say, God, if you want me to do something, I'll do it. But if you don't, stop me, stop me. There's things I've done in my life, I look back and I go, Lord, did I, did I step in there? Did I step in and steal your glory? Did I step in there and try to help you? Like, we could even help God. Shoot, if anybody's here that can help God, man, you need to start a ministry. Helping people. Seems like anytime God allows us to help him, <laughs> The next time you make sure that we realize it was really him that did it anyways. He's the one that does the work. So we walk in the ways. We walk in his direction. Notice he goes on again. It says, verse 17, uh, I'll read it all again. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentile walk. In the futility of their minds, I you know, bad thinking, bad thoughts, not understanding the truth, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. And here's why. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their hearts. (laughs) The world out there thinks they're so smart. God looks at them and says, you're not smart at all. Right? They're blinded. They're blinded by the enemy. The apostle Paul was blinded for the things that he was doing when he was Saul, right? He was persecuting the church. And then all of a sudden, the scales fell off his eyes. Why? Because he was blinded by the enemy. He was blinded to thinking he was living for God, and he wasn't. This should be a prayer for all of us. Lord, let the scales come off of our eyes so we can see clearly what it is you're doing, or at least trust you in what you're doing. God is never required to let you fully know what he's doing. Unfortunately, <laughs> for a lot of us. I just was having a conversation, I think it was on Friday with someone. They're going through something, I'm going through something. Man, it sure would be nice if God would tell us what he's doing. We know he's doing something. We know we trust him completely. But boy, Lord, let us know. Send us an email. Send us a text. You know, something for every know you're doing something. Sometimes God says, I've shown you enough. I've given you enough to trust me. That's why it's important for us to know his heart, to know his character, to know his countenance. Do you believe that God works all things out for those who love him and are called according to his purposes? Does anybody not believe that? And if we do believe that, if you don't believe it, talk to me after. But if we do believe it, then we have to be okay. Okay, God, whatever this happened, God, you're gonna work this out for your glory. I would have never thought we would still be dealing with fire sprinklers in February of 2024. And I just look to God and I go, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? But I know in the midst of every single month <laughs> that we've been going through this as a church, God's bringing glory to himself. God's doing it. God's God's revealing his will to us. We would have never figured this out if it was done in a a quick period of time. We are trusting in him. So maybe God's delaying answering your questions or answering your needs because he wants you to know that he's using you in the midst of it and that we just can't be spoiled brats and just say, Lord, if this is what you're allowing, then you allow it. No better place to be than in the center of God's will, even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. They had the futility of their minds. Their understanding was darkened. They were, had blindness in their hearts, and, and there was ignorance in them. Listen, we're human. There's still ignorance in us. There's still blindness in us. Let's lay those things at the foot of the cross. Let's say, Lord, we give up these things. We want to be wise in your ways. We want to be wise in the things that you want to accomplish. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Hmm. I love this. The fear of the Lord, the love for God is the beginning of wisdom. God is all powerful, almighty. That's the beginning of wisdom. And so we have to understand that's where it starts. As Christians, we have a proper way and a proper place to walk, and that's in the truth of God's word. Um, You know, they had blindness in their hearts. Uh, The ignorance and lack of understanding of man is a heart problem, right? Again, coming off of uh, our time at the Ark Encounter up there in Kentucky, you know, and, and how they just show the difference between creation and, and uh, the Big Bang Theory. It's like the more I hear about the Big Bang Theory, the more I go, you gotta be dumb to believe that. Sorry if someone in here believes that. It just doesn't make sense. To, to, to think all of this came from nothing it takes a lot of faith. <laughs> I believe in a creator <laughs> who created it all in six days, rested because he set an example, not because he was tired. And he put this all together. Creation speaks of a creator. And we need to worship the creator for what he's created. Not just the earth, but you and me. He created us, guys. We are valuable because he created you. You are valuable because he created you. We must look to each other as though we were created by God and there is value there. There's design there. The heart problem is that those that don't want to believe in God is because they don't want to be responsible to him. Right? They don't want to have to answer to God. It's better to answer to an accident. I've always loved the one description I heard of you know, the Big Bang Theory is like a tornado going through a junkyard and spitting out a Rolls Royce. It's like, okay, that's crazy. <laughs> but that's it, that's what they believe. Anyways, I'm getting off <laughs> off track. It's a heart problem. Uh, again, at the end of verse 18, because of the blindness of their hearts. Uh, and in Romans 121, it says this, because although they knew God, did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile, there's that word again, in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. When you truly know God, you will glorify him. When you truly know God, you will glorify him. Not, you won't glorify him just because what he does for you. You'll just glorify him for who he is. When you truly know him. So understanding God and understanding his ways. And maybe there's someone in here who says, yeah, God's not fair. God, God, you know, allowed something bad to happen in my life. Welcome to earth. Bad things happen, guys. But God is still good. God is somehow going to use that and work that in your life. How many of us have ever said, listen, God allows bad things to happen in my life so that when someone else goes through that, I can minister to them and I can encourage them in it? If that's all that God allowed it in your life, I think that'd be worthwhile. There's been many things that have happened in my life that I look back when it happened, and I go, God, why'd you allow that to happen? Only to find out years later, he would use it in someone else's life. And what a blessing it was to me to be able to stand next to a brother and encourage, I'm going through what you're, when you, I went through what you're going through right now. And God will get you through it. Keep your eyes on him. So when you truly know him, you will glorify him. And I just think, you know, we don't just glorify God with music. We glorify God with every ounce of our beings, with our thoughts, with our actions, with the things that we do. So, God changes your direction. The next one is God changes how you look. Look at verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him, hurt, yeah, have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, Which was created, <clears throat> excuse me, according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul says, listen, you don't no longer walk like the Gentiles walk. You don't act like them. You're not blind. You've been open to the truth. Um, and, and so now you take off the old man and you put on the new man. It's like taking off a jacket and you put on Christ. You put on holiness. You put on righteousness. His right not ours <laughs> you can't make yourself any more righteous you can't make yourself any more holy you just have to keep yourself in christ in everything that you do and he makes you righteous he makes you holy he purifies you it's his work in your life that's why i've called all of these changes are something that he does he changes the way you look he changes the way you behave When you became a Christian, what changed right away? It's different for everybody, I'm not saying there's an answer, but what changed, I believed in Christ and all of a sudden, something changed. Either you're like, oh, I'm saved, praise the Lord. Or or maybe the way you act changed, or I can remember my ears changed immediately when I got saved. I no longer wanted to listen to secular radio. It was the craziest thing. All I wanted to listen to was Christian radio. I had given my life to Christ, and that's, that's all I wanted to listen to was Christian music. It changed. There was plenty of other things that didn't change like that. I wish it all did, right? <laughs> but God's still working in us. But we need to change the way we look. We need to change the way we listen to things, the, way, the things we participate in, the way that we interact with each other. And that change can only come by spending time with God. What did it say about the early disciples? That they were unlearned, untrained men speaking the oracles of God. They could tell that they had been spending time with Jesus. People can tell when you're spending time with Jesus. You know why? You act more like him. When you act more like yourself, that means you're spending less time with Jesus. But when you act, when you spend more time with him, you'll act more like him. So we change our look. We take off the old man and put on the new one, never to take off the new man. (laughs) Let's leave that on, right? We don't want to get back into the old man. Does the old man ever rear its ugly head? Yeah. That's where Paul says, I crucify my flesh on a daily basis under the authority of Christ. Christ. We put off any sin. We put off whatever does not line up with faith and with God. It's hard to put off things you feel justified in. We have to be careful here because we can, sometimes we can feel justified. If someone hurts us, we feel justified that we can hurt them back. That's not true. <laughs> no, this is God doesn't save us so that we can revenge those that hurt us. He says revenge is his says the Lord. He will repay. We should respond to being hurt by what? By love. By caring. By generosity. Right? If your enemy harms you, what are you supposed to do for them? Pray for them. Love them. That's not not justifying, is it? Oh, we can feel justified. Well, I did to that person because they hurt me. Or I feel that way towards that person because they hurt me. And I think this is no more dangerous than any other relationship than in a marriage relationship. When a spouse hurts another spouse, we can feel justified in hurting them back. Maybe some of you don't believe that. But sometimes that happens. I've seen it. When someone's feelings get hurt, they immediately want to hurt back. That's the human part of our lives. (laughs) But the God part of our lives says, you hurt me but I'm gonna love you in Christ. That's, again, looking different, acting different, acting godly. Paul uh, says, put off all, uh, excuse me, put off all that Paul had talked about in the previous verse. So we wanna put off all this understand uh, misunderstanding, um, a life outside of God, ignorance, and blindness. We wanna put all those things off. That was the previous character, previous conduct put those off and put on. Um, let's see. in verse 23, he says, "And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If you have a Bible that's a somewhat of a study Bible, you should see a reference there of Romans 12:2. right? Now we, I think we saw this verse uh, last week as well, but I'm going to read Romans 12:1 and 2. It says this, I beseech you, there's that word beseech that one person in our church actually does use and one just started using it, so that's another one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living dead thing that is, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewing our minds is something that God does. We, we just participate in it. You can't change your mind. God can. And if we truly come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need my mind to be transformed. I'm thinking these thoughts or I'm thinking this way or I'm not believing in the way you think I should be believing God, then transform my mind transform my thoughts in the renewing of our minds it's a it's an exchange that happens when you come to christ you exchange worldly thinking with godly thinking you exchange worldly direction with godly direction you turn around you go the other way right that's what repentance is no longer walking in this direction i'm going to turn around and walk in an opposite direction because that direction doesn't please god and for some reason that direction does so we make a choice and guess what God transforms our mind because we see the fruit that comes from obedience and when you're obedient in the Lord he honors his word and here Paul again in Romans says the very same thing he's saying in Ephesians you need to change your thinking you need to change the way you look you need to change the way you speak again that mind of Christ he does the transforming work Whatever directs your thoughts will control you. Whatever directs your thoughts will control you. So what's controlling, you? what's directing your thoughts? Is it the world? Is it the word? What is it? If you're in a place where you just feel like there's just negative, negative, and just bad things happening, it's important to let God change the direction you're going in and to change your mind and your thoughts. Verse 24 and to put and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. Getting back to the garden of Eden, getting back to the way it was before the fall of man in the garden perfect. So he says, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, when we get to heaven, isn't it gonna be amazing? It's gonna be so much different. We're like, is that Pastor Rob? He never acted like that on earth. Right? We're gonna be so different. There's gonna be a complete and total transformation. (sighs) I kind of think that God isn't even going to allow us to have a bad thought towards people. It's heaven. It's going to be amazing. And a lot of chocolate cake. God, there's got to be a lot of chocolate cake. Calorie-free chocolate cake with lots of gluten in it. (laughs) Exactly. I better stop. I just want to look at verse 25. We're going to look at it again because I also feel like it's important that we understand not only do we change our direction, not only do we change the way we look, but we must change our tongue. Our tongue. Look at verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Praise God. So, he doesn't say put away lying. He says putting away lying, once and for all. Christians are to be truthful. Ouch, <laughs> right? Or to be honest, even when it hurts, even when it'll be damaging to us, even when it might cost us something. The things that come out of our mouths need to be truthful. And, and listen, if this is convicting to you, it should be. It should be convicting to all of us. All right, what's the Bible say You know, out of, out of the mouth? Blessings and cursings? Should not be so. Only blessing. Only say what helps. Now, it doesn't mean you can't correct somebody. It doesn't mean you can't help somebody. It can not mean you can't challenge someone but you're not going to lie. You're going to tell the truth, and you're going to do speak that truth what in love. Do it in a way that people will accept. I have no problem when someone comes to me lovingly and says, "You did something that was wrong." Okay, What's, what is it? But when someone comes to in a judgmental attitude or a holier than thou attitude, I have a hard time because God doesn't do that with us, does he? You know can you imagine if God tripped us up or, or did something to us whenever we made a mistake? <laughs> Shoot, I would trip walking down this aisle after this service, right? It's like, no, God's grace is there. So we have to watch what we say. I think it's important for us as believers to speak the truth. That's a change that must happen. And, and one of my favorite verses Even a fool is considered wise. What is it? If he holds his tongue. So if you can't, if you can't not tell the truth, or if you can't tell the truth, or if you can't not tell a lie, don't talk. The tongue is the only body part that comes with its own cage. Just keep your mouth shut. Even a fool is considered wise if he holds his tongue. Better not to say anything than to say a lie. Just to get appeal or, or pleasure. you know, someone to see you in a certain light? No. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? And followers of Christ should be truthful. So speaking the truth, do it in love. And sometimes, listen, sometimes not saying something goes a lot farther. If God tells you to say something say something but if he tells you not to say anything don't say anything we can be so justified sometimes in telling someone else what they're supposed to be doing that we damage we hurt unbeknownst so these three changes happen in us and paul wants to make sure that as believers these changes are taking place in our lives our direction our look and our tongue with these three things people will know that you're a follower of christ People that know will know that you are a Christian and that you're different than the world around us because we're no longer to walk like the world.